Even if we didn't have enough, we had to get started. Giving away ministry, uh, teaching doctrine, building people's faith, watching character grow, people become sanctified. As a church planter, if you don't recognize that it's just going to take time, then you are in deep trouble. Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Uh, the Living Faith Fellowship is a network of churches that are like-minded, uh, that gravitate towards one another in terms of missions and philosophy and theology, and uh, we work together. And every year we host a conference in Cartersville, Georgia, at Oakland Heights Baptist Church called the Discipleship Conference, where we focus our attention on the strategies and methodologies and philosophies associated with implementing a mentorship-based form of discipleship within each other's churches. And we help each other and we sharpen each other. It's a lot of fun. And like most conferences, uh, there are evening speakers uh, where everybody comes and gathers together and, and, and spends time together communally. Uh, but then also there are morning sessions. There's breakouts where we focus on topics that are specific and people can choose which breakout session they want to go to. And one of the breakout sessions from this last year, last March, uh, was one that was devoted to how to implement discipleship in the context of church planting. And uh, church planting is a difficult work. It's very, very important, but it's also very difficult. It comes with very unique uh, considerations in terms of handling and ministering the church activities and and the way that we approach things. So it comes with its own set of problems. And discipleship is one of those things that needs to be understood. And uh, we need some insight on what does it look like to bring discipleship into a church where a lot of the believers are young and new and and everything is fresh and they don't have the same uh, perspective or philosophies that you're bringing into that community. And so they have to be taught all those things. There's a lot of things associated with that that we want to address today. And so we've brought in, we've, we've brought in a ringer. We've, we've brought in Pastor Dan Renault of Living Faith Lee Summit uh, here to talk to us about how his church implemented discipleship, what that looked like. You've been at it a minute. Yeah. How, how long has it been? Five and a half years. Five and a half years. Yeah. So it's, it was a church plant at one point. It's probably can't really be constituted. You planted a church. Yeah, it we is don't now use the church. word anymore. Yeah, you're yeah, no longer that doing word. that work. Yeah. But I guess that's why you're the guy to talk to about this because you have done it and it's still fresh enough where it's on your mind and you can remember what it was like to get going and get started and yeah, yeah. and how difficult it was. Yeah. So well, you're the man, the, ring, the ringer, yeah, in I, fact. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so let's, the, dude, the, by the way, the conference was awesome. The session it that you did. It was good. I mean, the Carterville, they, they take care of you when you're down there yeah. too. They do a great They're job. They're very loving. Oh man. And, um, and it was a great conference. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's good. And your session was actually really insightful. And so there was a group of people that were there. Um, I, I sat in because it's yeah. you and I, and I wanted to be there. But there was a lot of people who are a part of Church Planting Works right now um, that were there listening in because they, they wanted to get the skinny on, on what it looks like uh, as they take each step in, in the process of getting their churches planted and, and what kind of hurdles they might run into. So you provide a lot of, of really good information for them. And can you give us the story, the backstory on the church plant and some of the events surrounding it? Just give us a brief history of Living Faithly Summit. The skinny of it is, you know, we, we were starting Bible studies, you know, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, working together at Midtown. Um, and we were starting Bible studies on, on the campus in homes 
uh, and a Bible study got started in a home, and actually multiple Bible studies were in this home. Yeah. And uh, we started reaching out to the family as well, and God blessed that work, and it was about maybe 30 minutes outside of of where Midtown Baptist Temple was. Yeah. And it, over time, it just became evident that through that Bible study, which was, you know, we were wanting to reach out to our community, mm-hmm. um, that through that Bible study, God grew it. And uh, long story short, God confirmed it through through the leadership here at Midtown Baptist Temple. And, you know, yeah, January 2017, planted a church. And so Wild. it was pretty cool. Yeah. And there's been a lot of kind of emanations, different buildings, different locations. Mm-hmm different people, which we're going to kind of get into, you know, there's a group that went with you for that initial thrust. Not everybody made it through. Some mm-hmm. people, some people did, some people didn't. And, and so in terms of that, the, the ebb and the tide of church planting, there is a lot of upheaval. There's a lot of, of issues that people don't think about when they're, as you refer to it, kind of the incubator or the biodome that is their local church. You know, here at Midtown Baptist Temple, we want a church plant. We want a church plant. We want a church plant. We're always talking about it. We're, yeah. we're training, we're preparing, but it looks one way here in the safety of what we're doing. It looks a whole nother thing once you're out on the field. Yeah, yeah. And and at the conference, I talked about the, uh, the greenhouse mm-hmm. or like the lab Yeah, and how your ascending church is every bit a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. All of the conditions are strong, uh, most of the time you'll have multiple pastors. You have people who, who have been making disciples and evangelizing, leading Bible studies. For generations. Who aren't even pastors. Yeah, They're right, just yeah, faithful yeah. members. Yeah. You have, you have uh, strong families. You have generations. Yes, generations is a big word, mm-hmm. you know, that you would think about with discipleship. And then you, and everything that you've learned from, you know, your church or your sending church, you say, I want to, I want to implement that right. um, in another part of the city, another part of this world. And, and you, you, for, you know, firmly believe that, that what you were taught will work Yeah, and you get out there and you're like, oh man, this is hard, you know? And yeah. so that, yeah, there was a lot that there was a lot of, of learning. I wouldn't say unlearning, that's not the right word, but just uh, continued growth, continued learning uh, as we kind of launched out. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to exist within the greenhouse and, and be trained and to have a bunch of farmers. It's a whole nother thing to start in a hard field. That's exactly right. Where there are tears and there's, there, there's all set a different set of circumstances to deal with, to grapple with. And then now you're the farmer. I will also say that at times, I remember this when I was even a younger believer under Pastor Sam Miles, and even even before Midtown Baptist Temple was planted at Kansas City Baptist Temple, he was the college pastor, mm-hmm. and I was just one of the small group leaders. Mm-hmm. Man, my small group would would grow to 20, 30, 40. We'd split. A year later, we'd split again. And you can have a little bit of an idea that, man, I kind of- I know how to do this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I'm discerning. Right. I'm, a, uh, I'm, a, I'm a discipler, evangelizer. I, I, I know the book. And- you fail to, to, to understand that a lot of the growth and a lot of the health of your Bible study, of your discipleship relationship, which is one-on-one, mm-hmm. is actually also a product of a very healthy environment yeah. where with a greenhouse, all of the conditions are perfect. The tools are available. The resources are there. And you don't have just one pastor. You got eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, you have deacons and you have you know staff and 
and you have resources and tools that have not only been uh, tested, but 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 tried and proven to work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in a in a mature church, you know, cough cough, someone else will take my place for children's ministry. Yeah. No one's taking your place at a church plant. Yeah. You know, you call in sick. There's, there's a big hole. They're scrambling. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and we're hurting, which, you know, it's just, an, it's just a different dynamic. Yeah. And, and if you haven't ever done it before, it's hard to understand just the, how, how much you benefit from being sure. a part of the lab right. where it is 70 degrees every day. There's the no dust. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's all these things that, it, you know, there's, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of the experimenting the experiment working mm-hmm. like it, it's going to work yeah you know and and sometimes you can even find yourself thinking yeah i must i know i must know what i'm doing and yeah i'll tell you church planting can really we're at the 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 dangers of a uh, of a sta- an established church are a completely different set of dangers mechanization and and becoming a monument as of, of course but i would say it's still the goal yeah, it's yeah. still the goal because and, once, but because once you're you've gone from walking and you've gone into running, you can set a pace. And if you're full of faith and you're trusting the Lord, and you don't get proud, mm-hmm. um, man, you can keep that pace for generation after generation after generation. And now, yes. but but the whole the whole point though about what you're saying is the whole goal of church planting is to face these giants, um, tackle them, fight them in faith. And establish a discipleship ministry mm-hmm. wherever it is that you're planning a church. The objectives you've got, you've got the tool. You've you know you understand the goal, mm-hmm. and you're there to do that. And of course, it's going to be hard. And the concern is if if you don't go in eyes wide open, and you do get punched in the face a couple times, you run the risk of wanting to abandon ship. Yeah, which is what a lot of church planters do. Yeah, even of our ilk. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're saying, wow, it doesn't work like it did there. Mm-hmm. They must have something going on. Maybe there's a certain charisma. Maybe everyone's just, you know, really, you know, in love with the pastor, but I think we got to try something else. And it's not that. Yeah. It's not that you need to reinvent the wheel or change it. Now, every church is going to have its own way in which you're going to need to implement certain, you know, processes, mm-hmm. but, and at every stage too. Yeah. Culture and community affect All of those things. things but... The risk is that, especially with some of you know our young people, they're they're going to have to go through some struggles if they're interested in church planting. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not the pastor going out, maybe they're part of the team. They're going to have to get to a place where they are trusting that the Lord is in this, and that He used and methodologies change, but He even used the methodologies that are present within right. our fellowship right. to to a great work. Yeah, and so there is a big risk um, mm. that people can want to you know run because it's just not working. I've told this story before, but um, I finished the book of Colossians, and I'm going to start teaching on the nine principles of ministry enablement, something that Midtown Baptist mm-hmm. Temple mm-hmm. Um, has as, as, a, as a core for how we can know that we're properly doing the ministry right. Yeah. Biblical principles. You're presenting the, the DNA. And I'm trying to begin yeah. saying like, hey, this is who we are. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. when I said the word we, half of our church left. After we went through those, those summer months, I believe, and I, I believe this sincerely, that that's when God showed us Oh, okay. This this is your group. Mm-hmm. This is the church. So then, at that moment, the natural thing is let's start discipleship. Let, mm-hmm. Let's get the discipleship ball rolling. Because when we say discipleship, we mean training, giving away ministry, uh, teaching teaching doctrine, yeah. building people's faith, watching character grow, people become sanctified, 
And we do that through a method that is a, a mentorship relationship. So it's it's generally a one-on-one meeting. And so, hey, it's it's time for us to really mm-hmm. push the agenda of discipleship. At what point did you begin to see that that was needed? And then how did you go about doing well, that? Well, we want to do that right away. Yeah. I mean, I mean, discipleship is everything. Mm-hmm. That, that's, the, that's the work of the church to make disciples. But did you have the leaders to do it? Even if we didn't have enough, we had to get started. Yeah. We, we just had to. Yeah. Um, at first, I was discipling four people at the same time, you know, which is, you know, there, there's some problems with that too, because you can't always get into the weeds one-on-one with a person, but mm-hmm. it's just... By necessity. It's just what you yeah. do. And so... Um, but we actually started in April. I invited everyone out to the house, Caroline and I, my wife, um, we fed everyone, you know, come out. If you want to know what, what, what discipleship is, we gave a philosophy of discipleship, kind of like, Hey, what we're wanting to accomplish. And then said, sign up next Sunday, if you're interested. And, uh, four months after we started, uh, this is before the wheels fell off, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, about 25 people signed up. And so we're just thinking, yeah, that's a great, wow. that's a great group. Yeah, so yeah. that's when we started the the if you want to say you know formally presenting it to the church the like, mentorship that yeah. you're speaking of the one on one time with yeah. one another we started in April mm-hmm. and uh, the great thing about it is that most of those people uh, followed through and I, I know that many of our listeners or people that are watching will will know that we use you know 18 lessons of of discipleship. Most of our people that signed up went through that that process. Usually takes about a year or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, they successfully went through the 18 lessons. I mean, so I'm pretty excited. You know, not only do we have our launch team, but now we have about 20 to 25 people who in April of 2017 successfully and and I would say even the four goals of discipleship were being implemented mm-hmm. in their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm not new to this. I'm not just right. wanting to get people through the lessons. Yeah, you're saying ministers developed. You you can't call yourself a discipleship church just because you're going through lessons with people. Right. You know, you can't call yourself a discipleship church just because you have a process in place. Someone's discipling someone. Yeah. That doesn't even make you a discipleship church. No. Well, well, everyone's discipling people. What's it producing? Right. You know, that's the real. Yeah, the outcome is yeah. what's critical. So, but yeah, so I I would say I'm still pretty excited though. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for what God is doing. And um, so discipleship one, there are four goals of discipleship that we, the discipler, are trying to accomplish in the life of that person that we're, that we're leading. Mm-hmm. And so discipleship is not the lessons. It's not, it's not just, you know, checking off boxes. I want to see, are these goals being present? But discipleship two, which in LFBI is broken up into two semesters, foundations two and three, um, discipleship two, that's what we call it at our church, mm-hmm. is um, the process to where hey, if you're interested in not only being a disciple of Jesus Christ, not only a believer, right. and not only a disciple, but actually a person who makes disciples, mm-hmm. join us in, our, in this class. It's a, it's a one-year uh, journey, you know? Yeah. Well, many of those same people, yeah. That sounds great. That's the next step. Let's I, do it. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. And they're good people. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say the four goals of discipleship and changed and, and lives being changed. That was happening. Yeah. Transformation like, like, was it present. It really was. Um, and so, so well, let's do D2, discipleship two. We, we get into it and that's, now mind you, we started in, in January, 2017. It's now August, 2018. We're a year and a half into this. God's been all over it. We're, we're thankful for his moving. Um, and um, we go through the first semester. People are loving it. Mm-hmm. 
like just like yeah, they're learning. They're learning the Bible. People are saying, "Man, I never knew that that that, that, that I could know the Bible like this." Yeah. I mean, that's the stuff that you yeah. dream about. Sure. We keep going, and uh, as we're getting closer to the end of the second semester of, of D two, <laughs> it's April, and at the time, even though we had a, a building we used on Sundays, we used our basement. Like yeah, Carolina's our house, mm-hmm. and we turned it into discipleship too. That's our classroom. Yeah. Our, our basement was, which was really a special time. It was cool. You that, guys set it up nice too. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but it's April, and and the semester ends in May. And while I'm teaching, now you're a, you you were a teacher before you, you yeah. came on full time as a pastor. But right. did you ever have those times where you're where you're teaching, but then there's like another you behind you? <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, there's words coming out of you your mouth. What are you doing mouth, here? But, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I had that experience. I'm teaching, I'm into it. And, and I, I'm looking around the room and I'm thinking, not a single one of these guys is ready to disciple. Mm. And that wasn't, uh, that wasn't an, like a, an insult. And, I, and, I, and I, even as I'm saying this now, I hope that's not understood that way. It was just that, no matter that they had gone through the process of discipleship and they've gone through the process of D2 and they were ending and they were doing well and we had proper assessment to make sure that they weren't just, you know, just going to a class. Yeah. It was April and I realized we got a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was looking around the room while I'm teaching thinking the, they're, they're not ready yet. Right. And, and again, that sounds kind of conceited or elitist. And, and well, you're, I, I don't you're a teacher it, and you're a pastor and you have to understand things in terms of, of can I entrust souls to these individuals or this individual specifically? And are they ready for me to hand them a baby believer? Mm-hmm. It's a soul. It, it's a soul. You're entrusting it's, them with a soul. That's right. That's right. And so there's a question of what well, you're saying. There's a question of maturation, leadership maturation. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't want to hurt them. I mean, ultimately that's the main thing. You don't want uh, a new believer to get hurt, but really... I don't want anyone to get hurt. I, yeah. I, I want them to, to grow. Uh, I had one guy who purposely didn't finish D2 because he was concerned I was going to assign him somebody. He was afraid you were going to pair him. So, so then I talked to him later, I'm like, bro, just finish D2. Yeah. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you can just finish the class. Yeah. I, I, I knew that you weren't there yet. but So I'm, I'm going through that process mm-hmm. two and a half years into our church plan. Now You're looking around and saying, like, wait. Well, that took me a long time to get to that point. you know. But, but really what it was is that it, it and one of the things I mentioned um, at the discipleship conference in our in our like breakout session was, as a church planter, if you don't recognize that it's just going to take time, then you are in deep trouble mm-hmm. because you may be doing everything right, and 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 that that word can get you in trouble because at the end of the day, I think it's Psalm one twenty seven, except the Lord build a house, yeah. you know. You're wasting your time. Yeah, yeah. The That's labor the Dan is vain. Yeah. version. Yeah. Um, I get it. I'm, I'm not trying to say like, we were doing everything right. God bless us. I'm not trying to say it like that. But I am saying this. There was dependence on the Lord in prayer. We were studying the Word of God. We were leading people in discipleship yeah. for transformation. Um, we were, um, you know, even at that level, trying to put people into LFBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was levels of spiritual growth. And so you're looking and you're going, God, th- we're doing all these things. And mm-hmm. Lord, what's going on? Yeah. And I, I guess the, the, for the listener, I'm thinking about the listener right now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what's the problem, Dan? You did follow the procedure. You did have the resources. You did do the things. 
what was wrong with their maturity? Why weren't they ready? What you couldn't take a risk on them, Dan? So here's the question. Here's here's the question: Is what were you looking for in their maturation that wasn't present? What was it that was missing that gave you reason to pause as a shepherd over a flock? There was a reason for you to pause. What 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 were the things specifically that seemed to 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 cause you to say to yourself, these folks, they're just not ready for the next step yet. We need to go harder. It's going to take more time. That's a hard answer. There's so many things. And with each person, it was different. Mm-hmm. Pastor Sam Miles, um, he, he told me one time, maybe he said it many times, but he said, Dan, trees take time to grow. And I've said that statement now so many times, mm-hmm. probably so many that people are going to start thinking I, I said it, but I usually try to give him credit. Um, <laughs> But, but you know, Baptists are like Baptist uh, preachers are notoriously we, bad. We just steal. It's plagiarizing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so we'll get in heaven and we'll square up. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe at all church retreat. I don't sure. Know. Yeah. Um, but no, I, that has stuck with me. You know, just that trees take time to grow. And again, let's go back to the greenhouse. Um, if some of these young people and, and newly married people or, or just people that were coming to our church, some saved, some not saved, some never having studied the Bible on their own, mm-hmm. you know, all types of different levels. Mm-hmm. If I had five other pastors, healthy ministry fellowships, small group Bible studies throughout the city, they probably would have grown a little bit quicker. There'd been a lot of more conversation that would have been like saying the same things, mm-hmm. ministry running on the rails of relationships, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. And uh, so I think to a certain degree, it just meant that because this was harder ground and because this was new ground, mm-hmm. that it was just going to take some more time and I was going to have to continue to repeat myself. I'm gonna, and I'm going to have to keep saying the mission because well, we've heard the mission. Yeah, We know the nine principles. We know the, the four goals of discipleship. And, and it's said so much that it's easy for new people to catch on. Well, not when you have 45 minutes on a Sunday and that's it because mm-hmm. we're renting from a, a wedding event space, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, you have Bible studies and you're doing discipleship, but there wasn't that constant uh, flow of just, um, work, and I hate to say it like this, but working knowledge and, and, mm-hmm. and doctrine being established. And uh, again, it might sound like I'm trying to say this as like, woe is me. I'm, I'm, I'm actually celebrating what God does when he establishes a DNA in a church, in a healthy church. It mm-hmm. took a, a ton of investment. And, and I can only speak for, for my experience at Midtown Baptist Temple. For Midtown Baptist Temple to become the discipleship church that it is, you don't just get that, and you don't inherit it. Now, there are certain things that you can inherit from your sending church, which is, which is a blessing. And a lot of that's like heritage and a deep understanding of the scriptures. But you can't just say, this is the culture. Yeah. That that takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. We just hadn't established that yet. Right. And so that's as much on us as it was on the new people that we and I, we just need to keep saying the same thing, keep continuing in the doctrine that God has given us. And, and you know, Paul tells that to Timothy, hey, continue in the things that you've learned, mm-hmm. the things that you've been taught. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent it. Yeah. And I like what you're saying. I think it's really important to understand. What you're saying is that fewer touch points— in, a, in the day-to-day life of a believer is going to slow the process of discipleship in their life. But when they're in an environment where the touch points are everywhere, there's influences everywhere, the culture is everywhere, they're steeped in it, mm-hmm. 
um, that that saturation process takes place much quicker. It tends to, yeah. But when it's you know when the water is shallow and it's and everything is fresh and new, it takes longer for it for it to take because there just isn't as many available touch points as there would be in another context. Yeah, which is okay. Even though it's hard, it's right and it's yeah. good to do. Yeah, it's just don't be bitter about it. Like, right. Well, you know, my scent church, da, 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 it always works there. It's like, yeah. well, no, that, that's great. And I actually want that. Yeah. I'm hoping that, that someday we'll have that as well. And I right. think God is actually doing that work. It's, yeah. it's still growing. Yeah. But no, I'm not bitter. I'm actually like, it's we're, an important we're realization. Get there. But it is an important realization. And I think it's healthy for even your, your launch team because then if you don't check it, there's a, mm, I don't know if it's bitterness, but a concern. A disappointment, even. I, I don't know if we're doing it right. Yeah. And it's like, wait, listen, we are, we are putting our trust in this, this book. Mm-hmm. We, we are devoting our, ourselves to being a house of prayer. We want, we want the virtue of Christ to be um, permeating mm-hmm. our very lives. Let's keep going. Yeah. And a lot of times we get, we get focused on performance. How many people are getting saved? Mm-hmm. How many baptisms? Uh, how big the church is growing, all yeah. the stuff that really, uh, yes, baptism, salvations matter, but, but the performative aspect of church, man, God yeah. is not concerned with our performance. Yeah. Was it, was it shiny enough this week that people want to come back or how many people did we have? Were they comfortable enough? To obey the Lord, just, you know, yeah. obey him, you know, be submitted to him and uh, know that he's your audience, yeah. you know, and For sure. we, we could go down that rabbit hole more, but. But, but I think there's the, the points that you made at the, the conference, and there's some points that I, I want you to make now because I think mm-hmm. they hold a lot of value, is that when you made this discovery and you realized, okay, wait a second, this is just going to be harder. It's just going to take longer. Not a big deal. Um, but there's things I need to do to make sure that we're ready. Like I'm not quitting on these people. I'm moving forward, and we're going to continue to invest in them. But there's some things that you tweaked. There's some things that you did. Uh, things that you began to understand that needed to take place. And those are the things that you kind of taught. And you mentioned one, but I want you to keep going. You said repeating yourself. Yeah. You had to repeat yourself a ton. And and why is that important? And and why do people need to recognize in a church plant setting that the that the repetition of philosophy, theology, even just the phraseology that comes with um Yeah. I mean what we believe. Even our fellowship of churches. Yeah. Some of the, Four goals of discipleship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are the, why is that important? And how did you begin learning how to do that? Well, I think we could say stuff like LFBI. What does that mean? Now, most people that maybe are listening to this podcast know because they've listened for a while. Yeah. But, you know, MBT, yeah. LF. Right. LF. Yeah. What are you talking about? Right. And we use these terms or nine principles. What I had to, to start realizing, and, and I think the first main point that I had was that it's going to take time. That was my first point at the discipleship conference is that if you go into church planting, whether you're the pastor or you're part of the team, and you are not cognizant of the fact that it's just going to take time, you're going to be so discouraged. Mm-hmm. You are going to be so discouraged. The second thing I said is in the process of that, okay, this is a long haul. You better know that you're going to have to repeat yourself and repeat the mission. And there's, there's a couple reasons for that. It's because some people will say, yeah, I got it. I got it. And they don't got it. Mm-hmm. And then there's times you'll say, do you guys know what I mean? Everyone know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. We know. No, they don't. 
Yeah. They don't know what you mean. Right. They're nodding their heads up yeah, and down. Yeah, exactly. Just because someone is 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 communicating truth doesn't mean that they're going to actually be able to apply that to their life or understand it on a deep level. Mm-hmm. And well, how, well, I got to keep saying it then. Yeah. And, and I say things so many times. I mean, I mean, I repeat it and I repeat yeah. it and I repeat it till people are, are like, we got it. Let's take a moment right here to hear from Pastor Mike Renault of Living Faith Boston. Hi, I'm Mike Renault, pastor at Living Faith in Boston, Massachusetts. And if you're considering learning the Word of God, Living Faith Bible Institute would be a good place for you. The good thing about LFBI is that you're not just learning from an academic standpoint. You're learning from actual practitioners that do in fact know the book. These are pastors and men who are leading churches, doing the work themselves, since they can give you a firsthand real life knowledge of what it means to learn the Bible in that context. Some of you may have a call in your life for the pastorate uh, to be a missionary, to serve the Lord in other parts of the world. Living Faith Bible Institute can prepare you in a way that you can be equipped with the Word of God and given practical tools, being held accountable in your ministry right where you're at. If you're interested in learning more or you want to enroll in LFBI, go to lfbi.org. When you mentioned this in the, in the, at the conference, the thing that came to my mind is that a lot of space in the pulpit has to be devoted Despite what you want to teach and what you want to get into and what you're prone to, like you want to go down that rabbit trail and teach those things. And that's going to take you 10 minutes to do. Despite the fact that you want to do that, you have to hit pause and take time to define the terms. And so I just imagine that that affect everything that you, anytime you're in front of people, you're making sure that you pause long enough to explain um, what you mean when you say discipleship, what you mean when you say sanctification what you mean mm-hmm. when you say living faith bible institute or, what i say when i say salvation yeah eternal security yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. baptism yeah basic you know, basic uh, these these concepts yeah the deity of christ mm-hmm. uh, th- that's the thing is is because it's like when someone becomes so proficient in a field that when all of a sudden you put them in front of like a 5 year old explain what you do and they're just going i <laughs> don't even know how to start because they're so ingrained in it I think sometimes we can be so ingrained in what we know, and then I assume you know, and because actually you and I would be able to converse on a, I can't say high level, but on maybe a deeper level in some ways, yeah, we can, we can spit back and forth. Mm-hmm. I have to understand that, and I have to assume that we are not on the same page. Yeah. And again, that, that might sound condescending, but it's not intended to. It just means that... I'm not going to speak to my nine-year-old like he's 18. Yeah. I'm not going to speak to, to an 18-year-old like they're 40. I yeah. have to know like, okay, this is where they are. And if I expect them to understand vocabulary that's beyond them, and I don't teach them the vocabulary, well, shame on you. It, it's making me think back. I don't know if you remember the, the policy that came out of the Bush administration for public education that they referred to as mm-hmm. No Child Left Behind, which was basically a really terrible curriculum and system and, and structure and ideology, but the sentiment was right. Right. And it's one that I think that we should have as pastors and shepherds uh, is that there are no sheep left behind. I can't continue to let this train move down the track knowing that there are cars on the train that are decoupling and they're falling behind. The only way to do that 
is to be loving enough to take your time to explain, explain like, this is, this mm-hmm. is actually what I mean when I say, and really make sure that, that what this next point I think that you're going to come to is that that DNA is being transferred because terminology has a lot to do with, with DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and terminology, not just for the sake of like, this is what we say at Living Faith, but yeah. But as it relates to doctrine, yes, yes, let's use biblical terms to define our biblical position mm-hmm. on what it means to be a church. Well, you know, I mean, you know as much as any that, that we don't. When we say things, we mean one thing, and Calvinists say the same words, and they mean something oh, completely big time. different. Yes. So, if you're in a reform camp, we, we could be speaking the same vocabulary, but the definitions behind those things are not always mm-hmm. the same, and and that's true even at a micro level within the context of your own church. And that's, I think, going back to. When did I realize that maybe we weren't where we needed to be? Was did people know the term? I've heard it. I yep, got it. What about a working definition? Mm-hmm. And that was where maybe I was noticing I need to I need to back up and 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 maybe not back up, but I just need to double down. Yeah, and I need to continue to make sure that that what I'm teaching is at times maybe higher level, mm-hmm. um, you know, more broad, um, but it's going to be beneficial for yeah, us. It's yeah. going to get us to a place where. At some point, we will have a core or a team that can um, continue to communicate those things. So tell us about the DNA part, and then how does that affect whether or not you're actually um, establishing discipleship as a culture, those two concepts? Going back to Midtown again with, you know, that's where I have a lot of my, you know, growth and development. Mm -hmm. Um, That took a lot of time. Okay, that was our, our the first point I was making at the conference that it, it and, and Sam would say that yeah that the things took a lot of time and um, he one time told me you know I was discipling a young man he goes it's frustrating don't be frustrated yeah was thought, that when you were discipling me well we'll keep that <laughs> but but you know I I thought wow and it was almost like a, a Yogi Berra you know kind of statement mm-hmm. you know where you're like wait what I've told other people that statement and they're like what. That's not a good quote. No, but it's that was, beautiful. It, it, it was big for me. It applies to so many things. Like, um, you know, I know it's I know it's frustrating. Don't be frustrated. I know it's disappointing, but don't be disappointed. In other words, I know that this thing is tempting you yeah. to to be distraught or disappointed or to walk away or to be frustrated. I know it's tempting you that direction, but it's your choice whether or not you own that incongruence. And it was it the frustration was in regards to discipleship. Mm-hmm. I wanted something for this person, mm-hmm. right? And and at times I was like, come on, you know? But in reality, what, what God was showing me is that my contentment was being found in my circumstances rather than in Christ mm-hmm. and rather just in the simplicity of the cross and what he's done. Man, it's grace. It's the grace of God. That's what yeah. I need to be, you know? And so that kind of stuff starts to help you continue to realize let's let's keep diving into this repetition of mission of vision and being willing to take the time um i tell people this all the time at living faith you know conversations um and this might sound weird but i'm actually okay being the devotional pastor because for the most part most of our people they're having problems with their marriages or having problems with how to raise their kids and and not not to say that we should not speak to eschatology and not to say we shouldn't speak yeah. about all these things. And you're still expositing scripture. Of course. <laughs> and that's why I'm, I'm saying people are going to go, what? Yeah. But we're not going to get there, right? And maybe some people will have a different 
opinion on that. No, if we teach you know all these things, sure. they'll be able to apply it. I just believe that people need to see it work in their life. Mm-hmm. And it has, it has to be real. It just can't be some liturgy. Mm-hmm. It can't just be some kind of uh, code of ethics. Or an academic exercise. That's exactly right. Yeah. It has to work. When that happens, that's when DNA, that's when someone goes, this works. Yeah. But it has to like really impact our lives. The church has to stop just teaching in such a way to where we're, we're academic in our pursuits. Are we cool? Are we all cool? We all understand eternal security. Yeah. We all understand baptism. We all understand these, you know, the 18 lessons of discipleship. And like, no, I, not only do I understand it, but. I can teach others and I live out those truths and in it, every aspect of my it, life. It's flowing out of yeah. me. Yeah. Um, it has to be that, that, that virtue element that's lacking a lot of times in second Peter chapter mm-hmm. one, add to your faith knowledge. We, 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 yeah. We want to skip virtue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, because virtue affects my heart, you know, you look up virtue in the Bible and uh, the times that it refers to Christ it, power. Yeah. There's power coming out of him. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you think about that, well, add to your faith, the power of God. Yeah. It's, and then it's we'll get faith to, materialized. It's it's grace yes, materialized. Yes. Yeah. You know, people want to use that word incarnational. You know, that's a hot word that was right. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. But but really you mm-hmm. look like Jesus. Mm-hmm. The virtue of Christ is flowing to that starts to get you DNA. Yeah. Because you could teach somebody blue in the face blue in the face, but once people start going, no, this is actually right. working. Yeah. This has changed my life, my marriage, my kids. So I don't so, know if that helps. So did, did you see these things beginning to impact the discipleship ministry? I mean, did you see, how was it that this played itself out? I like, think you say the same thing enough times to where someone realizes, oh, and that's when it happened. It, th- I just saw it, mm-hmm. right? Where I had a grad school instructor one time, I think he said, um, you know, it takes seven years before, you know, the things that someone else has taught you to become your own words. This is a carnal, secular teacher. But I thought, well, that's interesting, you know, mm-hmm. that it takes a while for those words that you learn to not only be like, well, Brandon says, there's going to come a point where like, hey, listen, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And you're no longer thinking what your pastor thinks. You're, you're thinking, well, this is what's right because you've seen it now proven in your life. Yeah, you, you used a few examples. I know that you've talked about like uh, the KJV issue mm-hmm. as one of those things, because obviously we hold a position. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to learn about that position. I mean, there's a historical perspective. There's internal evidence from scripture that proves that we should have a preserved word. There's all these kind of, you know, working pieces that, that, that can be talked about. And, and there's a lot to study there. Uh, you went to, to, you know, a Bible Institute to learn that, but you learned it through life and conversing about it and many conversations and late nights and doing your own studying and reading your own books. And it took, it takes time. But you mentioned like even just the key, King James thing, you want to take it for granted. You just want to, you just want to say, oh, okay, this is what we do. People believe it. This is why we believe it. You know, yeah, easy, easy, breezy, move on. Right. Well, and that's the thing too, you know, so it's 2018 and you know, we're, we're cooking. I mean, mm-hmm. and God is blessing. And, and, you know, at times it might sound like I was being critical you know this because yeah. we've had conversations. Man, I, we couldn't have been happier. God yeah. was doing such a great work. It, it's just that we were realizing it's going to take a little bit longer, mm-hmm. right? And one of those things that you benefit from having a healthy church 
is that again, everyone is is communicating the same things. You, you're the perfect conditions are set. Well, you're not there, and we've never done the the YKJV series, and and you know, people haven't gone through LFBI's manuscript evidence, and you know, not every small group leader, you know, is well versed. Maybe they're well versed, but they're not like you know, deeply knowledgeable to teach it. You know, from a historical standpoint, and so. Even that was something where we got to go, wait a second, if we're going to have disciplers, they need to have a working knowledge of why we use the King James. Mm-hmm. And that's, that doesn't happen. And now, now pe- okay, people can, as you're going through discipleship, you and I both know this, that a person as they're going through discipleship can go, okay, I'm in. But not everyone's that way. And not everyone's that way. And also not everyone can teach that, you know, to such a degree to, to where the church is, is bought in. Yeah, just and because so, you believe it doesn't mean you can explain it at a mastery level. And anything. we're going to get weak sauce quick if, yeah. yeah, I understand it. And maybe even some guys that are with me on the launch team, they can communicate it. That third generation, if, if we're not consistently teaching why we hold to a single authority of God's word, um, we are getting, we're getting back to that place where it worked at Midtown because mm-hmm. they had something going and it was mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know if it's going to work here. Mm-hmm. And now you're entertaining things that you would have never entertained. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've seen and we've seen it happen in church. It's not an it's not a hypothesis. No. It, it's no. an actual. Yeah. And the reality is, is it doesn't. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that we're not actually seeing real discipleship take place in our church. Maybe that's a different conversation, no, but... It, 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 but here's the principle that I think of. Train up a child in the way he should go, okay? And when he is old, he shall not depart. Yeah. Okay, so we assume that we actually taught. That's the problem, is that sometimes we assume that we actually did the teaching because mm-hmm. we, the kid was in our house or because we took them to church or we did the things that we thought we were supposed to do. But, but the truth is, sometimes we take for granted that we didn't actually teach or train we didn't actually do the training That's part right. and we want the outcomes of someone that trained but so my, i guess my point is is the same thing is true with the church yeah mm-hmm. right you have to be you have to be ready and willing to adapt and train to meet the need or the deficiency that you see and the king james is just only one of those issues there's plenty of issues you have to see the deficiency in the field and you have to be ready to respond to it and, and your example is so true in the sense and and when does a child buck against the, the, the training of a parent? When things get hard. Mm-hmm. If I'm telling my son or my, my son's or daughter, hey, this is how to do things, and there's no opposition and it works, okay, dad. It's when it doesn't seemingly yeah. work, then all of a sudden you're looking at dad and you're like, dad must not know. Mm-hmm. Well, I need to tell my son in adversity, and in sickness and in health, mm-hmm. you know, and and prosperity and adversity, you know, like the wedding vows. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, son, this is. There's going to be opposition on this on this principle. Yeah, there, there's going to be some difficulty. You'll be challenged, but let's talk about why we still hold to this position. Mm-hmm. We have to do that with our disciples. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if we always are following through with that. Yeah. And then real discipleship potentially isn't happening in the sense where you have. I've taught you, I've taken you through the lessons, but what I, what I want to see in real discipleship is not only did you finish the lessons and maybe not only did you, do you have the four goals? Real discipleship is when I see you doing the same thing. Yes. 
yeah. generational discipleship taking place. That's, yeah. that's where you want to see yeah. the movement. There's so much we could talk about uh, concerning this topic. I think Dan and I um, are not uh, brief about <laughs> anything, I think. So when we sit down together, we could probably go for like another three or four hours and just keep talking about different things related to church planting and, and this issue of, of, of establishing disciple makers for the people at your church that listen to the show. I think it's important for them to hear all the ways in which uh, you see discipleship taking place in their church. And I think it's also important for the church planters that listen to this show to hear how enduring yeah. works. Like there's value in enduring and not quitting Keep and, going. and sticking to it mm-hmm. and believing the Lord for things that seem impossible. You have to dig deep. You have to know it's going to take time. You have to continue to repeat yourself till you're till you think you've said it too many times. Even with your leaders, mm-hmm. some of your leaders, you know, you're thinking, "I'm I'm having to tell you this." You know, mm-hmm. um, you have to continue to reiterate the vision um, and the mission. You have to remind yourself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and before I maybe answer that last question, there was one more point that I, I'd like to make if we can. Um, which was really important for me, especially for the church planter, um, is that not everyone who says they're on your team is going to actually be on your team. Mm. That's a hard one too to realize is that there's going to be some people who, like um, Ezra chapter four, hey, we want to help you in the work. Mm-hmm. And Zerubbabel says, you have no part in this mm-hmm. because they were adversaries. They they professed themselves as being followers of God, but they really weren't a part of the work. Yeah. Now that was a hard lesson for me because I was trying to, we'd have new people and, and I would, I would say, okay, let's try to find ways to get them into the work baby steps. But still I was, I was, I was taking chances a little bit, Mm -hmm. probably chances I wouldn't have taken if I was at Midtown. Mm -hmm. And so you're taking some chances and I got bit a couple of times, not like giving them leadership positions, but, but yeah, they let you down. I'm hoping and what you find is that there are people that are not on your team who say they're on your team, but in reality, they have their own agenda. They, they're not willing to submit. And not that you need to be careful, but you need to be circumspect mm-hmm. and wise. Hold on to the vision. And what will expose those individuals is if you do keep repeating and if you go deeper, if you continue to say, we are going to be a church of depth, of mm-hmm. spiritual depth, mm-hmm. um, which means, yes, repetition, but also as time is spent, I'm going to spend time with the church to where um, we're not going to be novices in the word. And so we're going to be able to smell, sniff out when someone is saying something contrary to, to uh, yeah. what it is. Going back to your question, though, I would say 2 Timothy 2.2 is, is such a great verse for discipleship. And there's four generations of, of individuals in that, Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others also. I truly believe that, that you know, and we're, we're not fully there at living faith, but that that is one of the primary goals you want in a church, is you want to be able to look back and say, are there, and, and I would even say as an individual, mm-hmm. are there four generations? I'm not saying, did I, did I disciple four people? I've discipled four people. Right. No, I'm talking, can I look back and, and, and in my life see how God has used me in this person's life 
And then can I, because I'm still discipling that guy, mm-hmm. can I see how he has turned around and started discipling another cat? Mm-hmm. And even though I might not be as connected to that guy, I'm still grandfather a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I try to have dinner with him maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. And I'm hoping that as this guy is discipling that fourth generation, we can look back and we can say, I think a DNA is being established. Yeah. And so then we're not just going, shucks, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, the Bible actually gives us the answer. When do you know that you're not the church plant? Or when do you know when, when the DNA is being established? I think you're looking for those four generations. Yeah. I think you're looking for, and I'm talking meaningful. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it can't just be that, that well, I disciple this guy and he discipled him. I mean, he doesn't really do anything, but, but, and he discipled somebody because he's faithful and he's not having an affair. You know, it's right. like we, we, yeah. we all of a sudden dumb it down yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. No, I want to see like, okay, how was I used in so-and-so's life and how are they being used? And if I can see those four generations more than likely, you're doing something good mm-hmm. and, and God is at work. And obviously, you know, Psalm 127, except the Lord build a house, we labor in vain. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like, that's a big marker for me. I'm, I'm looking for that in, in living faith. Yeah, that's good. Are we, are we establishing believers in that way? And am I seeing them uh, make disciples? Are you? Well, here's the cool thing. Uh, in 2017, we discipled a couple. Um, and just last year, so 2017, 2018, you know, that was discipleship for us with them. Mm-hmm. Um, 2021 is when they got partnered with their own couple and they're walking through discipleship with them even right now. And so, and you know, it doesn't always look like that. And, and there are people who are bringing people even, even, you know, um, you know, in a natural way where they're mm-hmm. bringing people to the Lord and then they are discipling. And so we're seeing even with the ideal setting even too. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that that first batch of, of disciples back in 2017, they're now making disciples. Yeah, that's great. And so it's, it's pretty cool. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's a cool thing. Yeah. And that's, that's only one couple. I mean, I could go oh, on. Oh, sure, there's, sure. There's so many people and, and God has given us a team of people. You know, some of those guys were there at the beginning but um, like Hunter and Carla Spiza, they helped me a ton with, with uh, our discipleship process of, of pairing people. Mm-hmm. I meet with our small group leaders and, 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 uh, and I, well, I'll text them or I'll talk to people to see, you know, about get input. Yeah, get, getting input. And so now we have. It's a church-wide affair. It, it's really cool yeah. thing. We yeah. just had a leaders meeting last night. And, and for all of our leaders, leaders meetings, we, we sit down and talk about the people that are currently in discipleship and just say, hey, how are things going? you know, and, and how can we pray? And so there's a culture of uh, discipleship that's yeah. really starting to develop. It's, it's neat. Well, Dan, I, I can say, you know, on behalf of LFBI and, um, and really I'm sure on, on behalf of Living Faith Fellowship, when we see uh, your church, um, it's a blessing because it, it inspires a lot of, of other pastors to either choose to, to plant churches or encourages them to continue on. I mean, the network of churches called the Living Faith Fellowship, and even in fact, you know, LFBI was established in 2013, so it's it's still a fledgling work in many regards. But we're beginning to see God work in churches like yours, or like in Northside, or like in Tampa, or like in Ireland, um, and we're beginning to see generational church planting, even you know, taking place. And so, the, Man, the testimony that's, that's exciting. of Living Faith Lee Summit is. Is critical to everybody. It builds mm-hmm. our faith, and it and we. I'm, 
thank you. Thank you for saying yes to the Lord. And, and, and I want to thank Living Faithly Summit for saying yes to the Lord and continuing on because it's going to be a blessing to, to many, many other people who are, are going to go out and do the exact same thing that you guys did. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I am very excited for what God is doing at Living Faith and, and Lee Summit. But, and, and we talk about church planting ourselves as a church, like we, we talk about on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Partly why I'm so excited is because I can't wait to give Pastor Sam Miles a call and say, hey, you got to preach at our, at our church that, that we, by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit's yeah. leading, sent out. Yeah, and, and, and ordination services. You know, in, in some way, I, that's what gets me excited because because I'm not going to be an island to myself. And, and this is why the fellowship is so healthy for us, is that we have brothers in, in Christ, especially on the pastoral level, who can keep each other accountable, but can just love on one another. Mm-hmm. And we have a church of, a fellowship of churches that can say, man, um, um, we got your back. Yeah. You know, and especially for the new works where yeah. it is hard. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. But if God would give us the grace to be a church planting church, um, well, then, you know, Maybe I'm taking the, the passage out of context a little bit, but Second Timothy two two. Well, then for me personally, I got Midtown Living Faith and maybe X Y Z. We're three of those generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's when I think even on a church level, yeah, or in a fellowship level, you can say this isn't just an idea, this isn't just a concept or something we want to fancy as calling ourselves this thing. It works. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. That is exciting to be a part of something like that. Well, Dan, I love you. Thank you for being with us. I love you too. For, for today's episode. And I think the things that you shared are going to be really beneficial long-term. This is going to be an episode that people go and they say, okay, we're getting ready to church plant and, or things have been hard recently. What, what, what episode was that with Dan where he's talking about how hard it can be? I think I need that right now. It'll be one that, that people can go back to and listen to and, and, and gain from. So thank you for sharing with us. Man, absolutely. And we want to thank you guys as well for joining us uh, for this episode of The Postscript. I, I do want to point out to you that LFBI and uh, the Living Faith Bible Institute and the professors, professors such as Dan, uh, are giving their lives uh, to training up generations of people to do this kind of work, this, this very work. Uh, this isn't a, a seminary uh, where we offer you know, lots of different degree programs and, and, and lots of different options. The, the objective for us personally is not to uh, create academics or, or, or professorials or in, intellectuals uh, that, can, you know, that are theologians in the word or whatever it might be. We're, we're not a school for scholars necessarily. Uh, we want to be scholarly, but our objective is very clear. We want to establish church planters. We want to establish missionaries. We want to establish leaders in local churches that know how to reproduce life into other people. Uh, we believe in discipleship and that's what we're giving ourselves to. And, and we do believe that what we have is, is unique in some regards. And so if you are interested in discipleship, if you're interested in church planting, if you're interested in answering a call on your life uh, to follow the Lord and to do a work, whatever it is that he's calling you to do, we want to help equip you. Uh, and we want to invite you to visit lfbi.org and check, check out our program of study, check out who we are, and, uh, and learn more. If you need to reach out to us, please do that. But we love you, and we do want to see God work himself out in your life. We want to see God's grace on you, and we're praying that, uh, that he's doing that even now, uh, even using this episode. And with that, uh, we want to say God bless and see you again next, next week for another episode of The Postscript.
Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.